0: Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast. Um, I'm Dean Jones, your host. This is season seven, episode three. And today I'm talking to the wonderful Sophie Minchili. And she is um, the author of the new book, The Sweetness of Doing Nothing. Uh, It's a wonderful book that talks about uh, living in Italy and their way of life and about the food, about how people live their days. It's studded with just gorgeous, lush photographs and really beautiful curated recipes that Sophie has created. Um, I love talking with Sophie. She was a really fun person to talk to. And I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, we're going to my conversation with Sophie Minchili, the author of The Sweetness of Doing Nothing. Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. And today we're speaking with author, Sophie Minkili. Sophie, thank you for being on the program. And, um, thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> so um, your book, The Sweetness of Doing Nothing, has come out. Um, how do you feel about this? Are you excited about your book coming out?
1: I am very excited. This is my first book. So it's my first baby. And it was supposed to come out in 2020, actually, but then a pandemic happened. Yes. <laughs> and so finally, it's out.
0: Yeah, it's been affecting everybody. I've been talking to so many authors who've had that affect them as well. Yeah. Now, your bio describes yourself as half American, half Italian. Where in the United States did you live?
1: I've actually never lived in the United States. Okay. So- My mom is American, my dad's Italian, he's from the south of Italy, and I was born and raised in Rome, Italy. So I've never actually lived in the States. I visit a lot, but never lived there.
0: All right. Now you spent some time in London going to university. What did you study there and which college did you go to?
1: So I went to London for three years and I went to LCC, which is London College of Communications, and I studied communications. And at the time, yeah, I thought it was sort of a general thing. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And that sort of helped me figure it out.
0: What did you like best about England while you lived there?
1: I guess the fact, first of all, that i had never lived outside of Italy. So it was exciting to see a new culture, a new city. And um, I never really got used to the weather, actually. <laughs> but I love just the fact that it was very international. Any kind of food you wanted, you could find it. There was people from all over the world. Um, just anything you can imagine, really.
0: Um, now, you lead tours through Italy. And I was looking, I was very interested in this, because you lead a couple of types of tours. You have week-long tours and day tours. So tell me what these are like for you when you when you do them for for your your, your guests that you have on these tours.
1: So I'm based in Brom and that's where I lead most of my tours. And those are day tours, so they're about 3 hours long. And I take people basically to all the neighborhoods I grew up going to and I show them the places I grew up going to, so like my favorite market, the bakery, the butcher, and we just talk about the culture of food in Rome and the way Romans eat and shop for food. And then I also work with my mother, Elizabeth. And together we lead week-long tours all over Italy. So we do them in Sicily, in Puglia, in Umbria, and other places. And those are lots of fun. It's a whole week of eating, drinking, exploring, talking about life in Italy. It's great.
0: I love when you say things in your native Italian. And I always think about how much, I, be, I try and do some language programs. And I think when I try and do any Italian, I always sound like Bugs Bunny in the, <laughs> the Warner Brothers cartoons, you know, and he go, Arrived- Arrivederci! it'd <laughs> <You know, that'd laughs> sound awful. <laughs> now, um, funny. do you think that um, any of the, uh, do you, because in your book, you talk about a kind of, there, there's a method in your book that you talk about, the dolce farniente, if I'm pronouncing it correctly.
1: Yeah.
0: And let's say sound like Bugs Benny again. And um, <laughs> it's kind of a it's a kind of a way of life. You like kind of like slow down, relax, take time, take life, you know, in a bit at a time. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of when they're tourists, they're like, I have a checklist, I need to make all these photographs for my Instagram account, and they have like an agenda. And it seems like, are you kind of saying, hey, hold on, experience <laughs> <So> yeah. it.
1: <laughs> yeah, dolce niente literally translates to the sweetness of doing nothing. And I think in general, our approach to life has changed completely in today's world. Like most of us, we've made way too much space for things we don't actually need. And we often think that keeping busy is a way to feel important and purposeful. And I feel like Italians have figured out a long time ago, and they still live that way today, that being constantly busy and checking things off that to-do list actually lead to extreme anxiety, and that makes you a lot less productive. And so in general, yeah, I tell people on my tours, when you come to Italy, don't say like, oh, I'm going to do Rome, I'm going to do Florence, I'm going to do the Colosseum, the Vatican. Just like, take it slow, enjoy your travels to Italy just like you would want to enjoy your life.
0: Now, what about, and this is something that makes me laugh because I can just imagine it knowing Americans in general because being as I am one, I can imagine they come to Italy and go, Where's the parmesan cheese that I could sprinkle all everything and they want they want the red sauce. What was the there was an episode of the Sopranos when some Italians went to there and they're like, "Where's the meat gravy?" And like I was like, "What are you talking about?" Like like do you have some do you, do you see that with with a uh, tourist a lot?
1: Yeah, it's funny because Italian food is actually a lot more simple than yeah. people think. <laughs> so like, for example, the pizza I grew up only has tomato sauce on it. It doesn't even have cheese. It's just literally pizza and fresh tomato sauce and olive oil. And people are so surprised. They're like, where's all the garlic? Where's all the cheese? And I'm like, Italians barely use any garlic. If they use it, they put a whole piece in the sauce and then take it out before eating. We really don't use garlic. Um, It's funny, the grated cheese made me think. Last week, I was leading a week-long tour in Puglia. And uh, a woman on the tour ordered a special pasta that they only make in this restaurant. And it's basically like a spicy tomato sauce. And then she looked to the waiter and asked for some cheese to put on her pasta. And the waiter was in complete shock. And he, he looked at me and then he looked at her and he was like, no, sorry, I can't bring that to you. <laughs> and he turned around and left. <laughs> so waiter, Italian waiters will actually like tell you how to eat your food.
0: Now, what about coffee? Because like Americans will walk around with what essentially is a huge, gigantic cantina coffee all day long, sipping it and drinking enormous amounts of coffee. Now, Italian life is very different with coffee and there's kind of rules about it, right?
1: There's rules and there's a way of drinking it. So takeaway coffee is definitely not a thing here. If you try and ask for takeaway coffee, the people at the coffee bar will be very confused. And they'll put them in like those little plastic cups you get at the dentist, which will burn your fingers off. (laughs) And then they'll cover it with tin foil and put it (laughs) on a tray (laughs) and put it on a tray for you to take away. Um, So at times we'll either sit down at a table if you're with people or you want to read a book, but usually it's quickly at the bar standing up. And it's also a social thing. So you're chatting with the people around you or the person making coffee. And really the most common coffee drinks are either an espresso, which is like a quick shot, or a cappuccino, which has milk with the espresso. But never, we don't have big coffee drinks. <laughs> I remember when I would go to the States as a kid, I would be very confused and ask my mom why everyone was walking around with like flower bases filled with coffee. Yep. <laughs> they just seemed huge to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. no, and like also, I feel like too, you don't, we have, I think, too much fast food and everything and eating in your car and eating on the go constantly, like never actually stopping. And it seems like Italian is the opposite. It's like, stay where you are, enjoy yourself, not, you know, not continually like trying to do five things at once. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Italians definitely, especially when it comes to food, they like to like slow down, sit down, Either if you're on your own, you still sit down, but it's better if you're with someone, you actually have a conversation. But like, I don't know anyone who would eat their lunch in front of a computer screen in their office. They, they actually leave the office for an hour and go sit down at a restaurant and have a proper meal. Um, there is street food, of course, but it's always people like standing or sitting somewhere and eating it outside, but it's never like walking and eating or in your car that doesn't exist here. <laughs>
0: Good, and I hope that never changes. I hope you guys retain that. Stay (laughs) strong. Please do. Say no to the fast food joints. Um, Now, what would you say, I know this is, I don't wanna say this is a generalization, but just for the sake of the book and what you're talking about, what is the average day like for an Italian in Rome?
1: Um, I would say, Depending on your job, obviously, but uh, waking up around like 7, 7.30, having breakfast, and then people usually have a second breakfast at their favorite coffee bar. Um, and that's usually a place you've been going to for a very long time. I've been right. going to the same coffee bar for... Almost 30 years now.
0: That's kind of nice. I like that.
1: Yeah. They're like family. They know everything about my life.
0: (laughs) I would like that myself. That'd be good.
1: Yeah. And that's with most Italians. And if your favorite coffee bar closes, that's like the end of the world. But then you would go to work and then lunch break. So when I was a kid, most people would go home for lunch. So you would close your shop or leave your office and go home for lunch. For me, school would um, finish around one or two some days and then we would go home for lunch and that was the end of the day. So I remember I would go home and my whole family would be there and we would eat lunch together. And then usually would go back to work after your lunch and nap. (laughs) And um, then you meet up with friends for an aperitivo, which is what we have before dinner. We meet up with either friends or family for a drink and a little snack. And then dinner is usually around like 9, 9 p.m. And bedtime is a little later, I think, than in the States because we go to bed around like midnight.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then, yeah, starts all over again. Sunday is our day to relax, though. Sunday is when we have like a huge long meal and we eat a lot more than we would usually. And then take a long walk in the afternoon, have gelato, have aperitivo and go out for pizza. Sunday night is pizza.
0: I'm, mo- I'm moving to Italy. Are you taking people? <laughs> I, my wife and I will be there next week. We're going to go live in Italy now. That it sounds like paradise. I don't know. This just sounds great. I, I don't know why we've decided to go the opposite direction, America, make everything like a hamster wheel. It's crazy.
1: I know. I'm pretty lucky to live here.
0: What Now, Italy gets used in TV shows and films a lot. And so somebody who lives there, do you ever cringe at some of like the stereotypes or things that you see in films? where they get it wrong? What do they get wrong in films and what do they get right?
1: I guess for me, because of my job and the food tours I lead, it's always the foods. So these big, huge portions of pasta filled with like cheeses and garlic and Italian dressings. Who's ever heard of that in Italy? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Chicken. on sounds weird. Yeah, (laughs) there's none of that here. (laughs) Um, But I guess also like the stereotypical like uh, mafia, you know, that kind of person that doesn't yeah. really exist here.
0: <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Culinary Historians of Northern California, a Bay Area educational group dedicated to the study of food, drinking, culture, and human history. To learn more about this organization and their work, please visit their website at www.ch. Norcal.org. Now you had some really great recipes in your book. So I want to talk about the book a little bit because it's a gorgeous book, and I really want to urge people to get it because the message that you have about uh Dolce Far Niente, it's just really beautiful and it's, it's like a, um, it's almost kind of like, it's written in a way, kind of like a beautiful poem, the way it unfolds. And with the different photographs in there that are so gorgeous, and then your really lovely recipes and everything kind of interspersed through it, it really has a beautiful layout. Did you get a chance to kind of, how, how much hand did they give you? I, Cause I know, I feel like publishers are, are giving more, Leeway to writers um, to kind of have more control. Were you given more control as far as that goes with your book?
1: So I don't really know how it works usually, but I feel like I was very lucky because the publisher came to me with an idea, like a concept. So the name of the book. And then they were like, we trust you to do whatever you want with it. So I had complete freedom with the book and the pictures are. 98% mine so it's all my photographs that I took so that was amazing and um, yeah there's some recipes in there I think I included a couple of my favorite pastas from Rome which Mm -hmm. is carbonara and Mm. (laughs) amatriciana and um, yeah while I was living in London those were the two pastas I was missing the most my mom would send me care packages with all the ingredients I needed to make them (laughs) for me and my roommates and then I included a few like seasonal recipes because I also talk about how we still very much eat with the seasons here in Italy. And so like we wait all year long for those August tomatoes or the fresh peas in the spring. And um, there's a recipe my grandma taught me as well, Orecchiette con le di which is pasta with broccoli rabe.
0: Oh, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs>
1: Oh my God. It's so good.
0: <laughs> you, you have some great recipes, um, on your website. And then also in, in the cookbook is like, I mean, in the book, as I said, have you, are you considering in the future, maybe a full cookbook, uh, one day or, cause you do really great food writing.
1: Thank you. I, I not considering, I mean, I'm thinking about another book, but I don't know if it's going to be a full cookbook. Cause I also like telling stories and, yeah you know, talking about culture that surrounds the recipes. So not just recipes, but maybe a mix of things.
0: Now, um, did you have a hard time selecting which recipes you wanted to put in the book? Because I know that's usually kind of a, a hardship for the authors to kind of like narrow it down.
1: Yeah, a little, but I didn't have that much space. So I chose my very favorite. So that was sort of easy. I mean, my obsession is pasta and vegetables. So it's a mix of pasta and vegetable dishes. And I mean, there's thousands of recipes I could be talking about, but I didn't have much room. So that made it easier.
0: Do you have any food writers that you like to read that you really enjoy? Or any any kind of media food celebrities that you like to watch or kind of enjoy?
1: Um, first person that came to mind actually is one of my mom's best friends that I grew up with. Her name is Evan Kleiman, and she has an amazing food podcast. And she has a lot of cookbooks. And she used to have an Italian restaurant in LA in the 90s called Angeli. And she taught me a lot about food. And um, her cookbooks are great. And her name is Evan Kleiman. Um, But I feel like nowadays on Instagram and um, TikTok, I'm trying to use TikTok, (laughs) I'm always finding new people. And it's fun to watch recipes now in this sort of quick video form. I'm learning a lot. But on the other hand I'm also terrible at following recipes. <laughs> I'm very good at improvising. So if you give me a bunch of ingredients I can make something amazing but I can't follow a recipe.
0: <laughs> you are such a good photographer um and I really really like your Instagram page because you got such good photographs of people. You really get a sense of like the people on the streets, the people around Italy. It's just really great. Are you, have you been thought about maybe doing a book on your photographs or maybe even doing an exhibit or something like that? Because your stuff is really good.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I actually thought about um, doing a book with my photographs because I photograph people mostly and I actually photograph older people. So like my grandma's generation and I love hearing their stories. So under the caption underneath a lot of my pictures is actually yes. the story these people are telling me. So I feel like it's, it would be incredible to have sort of a book where all these stories are put together, you know, as to not forget them.
0: Did you always want to be kind of a storyteller and work with food? Do you think you kind of had that all your life and it kind of just came together as an adult?
1: I guess it was also thanks to my mom. So I really didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I knew I liked Italy and I knew I liked food. And when my mom told me she had started doing food tours I actually thought she had gone completely crazy because what is a food tour at the time it was something completely new nobody was doing it Um, and she sort of forced me to do the first tour I didn't want to do it and once I did it I was just mind blown like this is the job for me I was meant to do this there's nothing else I can imagine myself doing
0: now, um, I want to ask you, as somebody who likes to cook, what is a meal that you're likely to make when you're for yourself when you're home alone and just kind of trying to relax in the evening?
1: Pasta, for sure. I eat pasta every day. <laughs> so I also love vegetables, like I said before. So maybe the easiest, quickest thing I do is I boil the pasta and the vegetables in the same pot. Yeah. So that makes it quick and then I drain it and add it to a pan with some olive oil, garlic and anchovies maybe, and then just mix it all around and dinner's ready in 10 minutes.
0: (laughs) That sounds wonderful. Now, I mean, I I always ask everybody because I love this question, but it's kind of a hard one. If uh, you had to plan a last meal for yourself and it could be either you could cook it for yourself, have somebody cook it for you or at a restaurant, what would you have for your last meal as extravagant as you want?
1: oh my god so many things i would want i guess so i'm gonna split it in starter first course second course and dessert so my starter would be uh bread saltless bread actually that's a thing here in italy and i love it and saltless because i would be eating it with salami and mozzarella di bufala so buffalo milk mozzarella which are both quite salty so they go well with the bread then first course would be amatriciana, which is one of the pastas I talk about in the book. And I remember when I came back from college, from London to Italy, I ate that every single day for months because I missed it so much. And then my second course would probably be, there's a dish called here in Rome, Saltimbocca alla Romana, which means jump in your mouth, Roman style. <laughs> And uh, it's a thin veal cutlet with prosciutto and sage on top of it, cooked in white wine.
0: (laughs) So that's great. That sounds amazing.
1: (laughs) And then dessert. There's another cake that's um, uh, another thing that's typical from Rome is a cake uh, stuffed with ricotta and sour cherry jam. Mm,
0: That sounds amazing. That sounds very good.
1: Yeah, that's my meal.
0: You've been able to, you travel a bit. So when you've had foods from other cultures outside of Italy, what's been some of your favorite foods that you've had outside of Italy and or different cultures. Like for instance, if you had a chance to try much Mexican food.
1: So I was just going to say my last trip and it was actually my first trip uh, in two years was in Mexico. And it was the first time in my life that I was in a place and I thought, wow, this food is just as good as Italian food, if not better. I was, my mind was blown away by Mexican food, just incredible, so good.
0: Yeah, it's funny that we, I think we misinterpret uh, Mexican food and Italian food equally in America. We tend to like dumb it down and like, we have this place called Olive Garden in America, which is a chain restaurant (laughs) and it's a bit of a nightmare. Don't ever go there, it'll it'll make you cry.
1: (laughs) Once a friend of mine from the States told me about Olive Garden. So I looked at the menu online just like for fun, I was just like in tears (laughs) laughing crying I don't know I was in shock
0: (laughs) it's it's horrible and uh (laughs) we do the same thing with Mexican food I think we just dump cheese on it I think that's American saying like we're like look food from another culture we're going to cover it with cheese it's like I don't know if the dairy board in America has control of everything I don't know
1: (laughs) yeah there's a lot of cheese on everything (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: oh um sophie i want to really thank you for being on the podcast i've enjoyed getting to talk to you and i hope to have you on again someday and i really want to get every i want to have um everybody uh, go out and get a copy of a book you're going to really love it it'll make you smile it'll make you happy and it'll make you want to drink campari like i've been doing lately the sweetness of doing nothing sophie thank you for being on the podcast
1: thank you for having me
0: that was my conversation with sophie minchili um, her book, The Sweetness of Doing Nothing, is out now. You can buy it for most retailers and online with most distributors. I wanted to um, really say I had a great time talking to Sophie, and she makes me really want to go to Italy. And uh, just to mention it, we're going to put links to her website in, in, on the um, bio, and that has information on her tours, as well as many recipes uh, that she's written and information about her book. Check that out in the bio. Um, We want to mention that we are supported by CH NorCal, who is a wonderful organization uh, that supports culinary historians around the Bay Area. We have a link in the bio and check that out. Um, We also want to say you can buy me a coffee or a pint by going to the link in the bio and uh, even leaving feedback there. Um, We also want to give a really hearty thanks to um, Asian Man Records for letting us use the song Talk About Love in our intro and outro. Uh, they're a wonderful um uh label and they um sponsor many uh bands and you could check out all those bands and buy vinyl from them, t-shirts or um bumper stickers at Asianmanrecords.com. Uh, we also ask uh our listeners if you like the program, please share it with a friend or on social media. That being said, I hope you all have a really great day and see us again on Friday with our next guest. Have a pleasant week and keep on cooking. Getting better, better than